Hey friends, imagine a life filled with certainty, confidence, and abundant fulfillment. A life that exudes clarity about who you are as you enter your midlife and how you can serve others in the world while honoring yourself in an empowering way. But where to begin is a daunting task. Fear and uncertainty is just an excuse that stands in the way from where you are now to where you want to be. The definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? So imagine what your future would look like filled with regrets if you didn't change your direction now. The Life Untapped Blueprint is your answer. The course will help you map out your new path. Have you inadvertently just put yourself last all these years putting others first only to wake up and find yourself lost in the shuffle? I have so been there. Girl, let me just share with you the lessons I've learned to create a new path to rediscover yourself. Together, let's go on this journey of mastering your potential, tapping into the power that you know already exists inside of you. We're going to tackle confidence, self-care, organization, health and well-being, money mindsets, and how to kick your limiting beliefs to the curb for good. We will find and establish your vision, get crystal clear on it. I help women who are ready to envision change. For those that are in the second half of their life and find they need to rediscover their identity and vision, I encourage them to level up, to embrace their unadulterated true self by managing their time productively by putting themselves first again. I am obsessed with helping women change direction and rise up in all areas of their life. Let's get clear on your true identity and give yourself permission to put yourself first again. This is your solution. In the Life on Tap Blueprint course, you're going to walk away with all the tools you need to enter into your next half of life being true to yourself. Six modules complete with worksheets to live out your best life. And when you invest in yourself, you're going to get a bonus call with me to personalize your blueprint. Now, I only have a few spots left, and when they're gone, they're gone. Go to francinerivera.com backslash courses, and I will see you on the inside. Welcome back. I am so excited to have my friend Jolie Kaminsky Arminger here with us today. She has a wife and mom living right here in Charleston, South Carolina. Her background is in healthcare as she was a sales executive in pharmaceutical, medical, and surgical devices and diagnostics field. Originally, she's from New Jersey, and we both connected in a local Facebook group a while ago. And if you know me, I'm the nerdy research person and Jolie and I just clicked. <laughs> she is a wealth. Yes, we did. <laughs> we would talk all <laughs> the, the nerdy, geeky stuff. And she's a wealth of information to ask in all areas of health. We would just meet for lunch and just talk all things wellness. So when I heard she left her high six-figure corporate job last year during the pandemic, to pursue a dream of hers, I just knew I had to have her on the show and, you know, ask all the questions. So Julie is in the process of opening an upscale consignment shop right here in Charleston, and she's going to tell you all about it soon. But all right, Julie, I know I glossed over your background in the health field because to me, you're like a doctor. <laughs> the amount, the amount. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. So if you want to elaborate more as to what you did, so people can get a perspective of like what you left. Sure, sure. So thank you so much for having me first and foremost this morning. My background is, like you said, in the medical field, a little bit of history behind it. 
I am the nerd and the weird one in the family because nobody in my family happens to like medicine or science. And I, I don't know, I'm a throwback of somebody else, probably it's some, somewhere in my family generation or family lineage. But um, I, uh, I was told at a very young age to pursue a career in medicine. But um, to my parents' dismay, I started off in pharmacy school and decided that I didn't want to pursue that because I felt like I was in an episode of Ferris Bueller's Day Off with an, you know, a professor saying nine times during the classroom, um, you know, teaching and whatnot. So I was extremely bored, even though my grades were doing, my grades were really well. So I um, ended up pursuing a degree in marketing. So fast forward, and I decided after working throughout my you know, college years, and working in a doctor's office that the great synergy between the two of them, pharmaceutical marketing would happen to be going into uh, pharmaceutical sales. But back in that time, in order to pursue that dream, I had to do some business to business sales first. So I started off with paychecks and then did some um, consulting work for a company that I was selling uh, PEO services, which was like workers' comp benefits, payroll, and uh, some other fun stuff and health insurance. And then I ended up doing pharmaceutical sales. And I'm going to age myself quite well here. Um, I was doing that for some time. Then I ended up doing medical device sales, Medtronic, which is well, Medtronic. And then I worked for Comedian, which is now Medtronic, the pacemaker sales, sales representative. And then I just kept on climbing the corporate ladder. And I did some um, biotech lab sales. And then my last stint was I was running the U.S. and Canadian market for uh, an Australian company as executive vice president of sales. And uh, that was the most interesting job I've ever had and uh, the most interesting job that I've ever left. So uh, we do things a lot differently in the U.S. And while they're lovely people to work for, you know, it was just in my best interest after having a child at the ripe age of 43 to just pursue my dream, which is obviously my consignment store, which you touched base on just a little while ago. Yeah, um, I, with that being said, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I just go continue with your story. I'm just... <laughs> amazing how you just <laughs> left, left all that to just start your own dream which I totally totally support totally love but there's so many women yeah. who would just never never give up the security for a dream yeah you know and it was really tough on my husband and I because you know he left a great paying job up north in order to follow me after we got married um, he's from Maryland and he was doing really well in, in DC and he ended up moving in with me into New Jersey, which you know, Jersey, all too well. You live there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he really wasn't happy in New Jersey. So when I had, was asked to do the job transfer down to South Carolina, he followed me down here because he was really excited. But it's been a long process for him to get back to where he was. He's still you know, financially not back to where he was because there's been some hurdles, which you know, is, is too long to get into. But um, he's always kind of followed my career path and my career direct trajectory. And I've always been the one that you know has been – the breadwinner, if you will, with the family. So what with my last job, you know, it was the highest paying job I've ever had. I had so much responsibility, you know, and I, again, I was reporting to, you know, two gentlemen in Australia and, and it, it was just a very difficult, if you will, like uh, time in my life, because here I was with a little baby. I was still nursing, you know, mom at 43 years old had, had much difficulty getting pregnant and sustaining a pregnancy. Um, you know, I have a lot of angels up in the sky. And for me, it was like, wow, you know, I've got this bomb, bomb job. I have this little baby who's just the light of my life. And, you know, unfortunately, like most moms, I was dealing with postpartum depression. So that was tough on me too. And then I had to report late at night to Australia. So I was just constantly around the clock 
doing work, you know, attending different seminars and conventions and working with lovely people. But I just, I didn't feel like, um, not, not only secure, but I didn't, I didn't feel complete. And what that job really taught me was, you know, as much as I loved all the corporate benefits and all the hustle and bustle and the, and the pay for me, the, the traveling and being away from my son and, you know, having a child later on at life, what it meant to me was that I needed to do something that was more fulfilling to me and to my heart. And I have like 15 plus years of buying and selling luxury goods online because from a young age, I really appreciate Couture. We've got a family member, actually a couple family members that still live in Italy that we've got one is, um, you know, designer bridal dressmaker does everything from scratch. So it's like fashion is just kind of like in my blood. Again, I don't know where the science of medicine is, but the, but the fashion is definitely <laughs> in my blood. So, you know, I've always had a fond appreciation of all of, you know, things that are designer, if you will. And, you know, Italian that, you know, there's plenty of Italian or French designers that aren't like mainstream, but I, I just have a fond appreciation for it. And uh, right now I'm still currently trying to fit into a lot of my higher end stuff with uh, doing lots of spin class and watching what I eat. So it's been quite the journey. Oh my, so, yeah, that um, yeah. was exciting. One busy woman. And you guys, if you ever saw Hudson, <laughs> he is so stinking adorable. You would understand why she just left her job and just wants to be with him all day. <laughs> so, Oh my gosh. She's just the sweetest thing ever. So when mm. did this, when did it first or how long before it first occurred to you that you're like thinking you're going to leave this really nice job, secure job, to branch out on your own? Like how long was that process? And before you even mentioned uh, your husband. So what ended up happening was I started, unfortunately, locking horns with the people in Australia. The CEO, amazing, such a visionary, wonderful, wonderful person. The CFO, which crazy enough, he's Australian, happened to go to a small college in Maryland, the same college and played lacrosse, just like my husband in Maryland. So it was just kind of weird and bizarre that our paths crossed. But the CFO as much as we got along in the beginning, wasn't really seeing eye to eye with me and, you know, wanted sales numbers and wanted this and wanted that. But Australia, the way, like I said, do they do things differently. Every time I would ask for certain, you know, documentations, I would never get them. Like, you know, sales reports or profit and loss or just to figure out where we are and where we need to go. It was just a battle. And I'm like, I don't really understand where this is going. So I said to my husband, I'm like, this, this doesn't feel right to me anymore. You know, I'm, I'm trying really hard to lead a team to try to get into like CVS and to Target with their different products because we were in the retail space selling a product called Mute and Pronto. So I, I just, I struggled with really getting where I needed to get with him and to just have the CEO hear me out. And I'm like, this is getting frustrating. I'm, I'm trying to raise a family, trying to do everything. And I'm just getting bored, if you will, and just not feeling fulfilled. And it got to a point where I flew out to New York to have a meeting with them. They were in town and I just looked across from them at the table and I'm like, you know what? This is just not sitting well with me anymore. And I, and I came home from that meeting. I said to my husband, I'm like, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And he's like, well, what happened? Did, did, was there any controversy? Was there any conflict? I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I just, I didn't, it, it just clicked, you know, it, it unsettling, like not happy. And having been in corporate for so long and being in different jobs with different people that were my boss or, or what have you, and some better than others, I knew that feeling. It's just an unsettling feeling like you don't know when the next shoe is going to drop. And, you know, unfortunately for this company too, that I previously worked for, they had gone through, 
you know, some people that led the company and it didn't work out well. So of course, job security was something that was a concern to me. I was, you know, in that job for not too long and also just peace of mind and family security and financial security. So I said to him, I'm like, I really think it's time I open up a consignment shop. And he's like laughing at me. And he's like, well, <laughs> what are you going to do that? Because we had joked around for many years that we wanted to open up a restaurant because we both love to make a really good breakfast. And as you know, there's not any place down here that really does breakfast that mm-hmm. great. I mean, they do it well, but the way that we love it. And we've been talking about for years, opening up a restaurant and calling it the Simple Bean after our two dogs, Simple. Simple is Simba and Bean is Nala. So he's like, well, I thought we were going to do the restaurant and starts laughing. I'm like, no, I really want to do this. And he's like, well, I know you've made, you know, some decent money over the years, but babe, you know, we've got a kid, you're the breadwinner, you know, I'm trying to get back up to where I was before, pay my licenses back, like, let's really think about this. And I just said, well, I can't do it anymore. So I started investigating the space, you know, right around the corner, seven minutes from my house. I mean, talk about a bomb commute. And he's like, Oh my gosh. He's like, really? You want to just be like right here? And I said, yeah, because my parents had moved down here at that point. You know, they're, they're obviously in their, their golden years and health issues has arise as we all know. And I'm like, I, I just want to be there for everybody. And I want to take care of everyone if I can. And also obviously take care of myself in the meantime, but Mm -hmm. I just knew that I wanted to do something different. It just wasn't for me anymore. So it was a struggle. There was lots of disagreements over it, not only with my husband, with with my parents. And then the craziest thing is the biggest supporter out of all this was a person that my husband's like, Oh, if you know, if we have to end up going to family for money or anything, he's like, my father-in-law will be the one person that I might. Yeah. My father-in-law will be the one person that'll be like, what are you doing? And he has been the biggest supporter ever. He is. I've sent him reports from Forbes, New York times. If you go on threadup.com, there's so many different publications, wall street journals that talk about, um, how resale is here to stay. I mean, it's going to be a $65 billion industry in the next five years. The trajectory is just insane about how many people are just repurposing and recycling and reusing that, you know, the Macy's and the Lord and Taylor's are just dying. I mean, even Walmart is even doing resale. So it's here to stay. And why, why, why shouldn't I have a piece of the pie? So there you have it. No, I love it. I love it. Yeah. Isn't it so funny? Yeah. That no matter what you do in life, sometimes the people closest to you, like your spouse and your family members, they don't give oh. you the support that you expect. But I think, and it took me a while to learn so this. So many years. It took me a while to learn this, but somebody pointed out to me, well, they're coming from a place of love. They don't want to see you get hurt. They don't want to see you fail. They don't want to. Mm-hmm. So yeah, like it, it's, it's tough, but once you see it from their point of view, it helps you understand it a little bit more from where they're coming from. But yeah, I get it. Like it would be so great to have those closest to you go, yeah, go for it. Go for it. (laughs) Everybody was scared. I mean, obviously a building out of a great space, which is what that space I built out. It was empty shell. Nothing was in it. And it it was well over into the six figures to build it. So not only was I going to have to tap into savings, I was going to tap into my retirement. And Francine, 10 years ago, if you said to me, well, actually, let me back up. My parents have always told me from a very young age, both being immigrants from Italy and Poland, save for retirement, save for a rainy day. You know, they've always taught me to be fiscally mm-hmm. responsible, conservative, and just be mindful of the, you know, your, your dollar because you never know what's going to happen. My parents have been through a lot of rough times through the years, and I respect that. So when they found out, because obviously I'm a transparent, open book, and I found out how much it cost. Like, are you out of your mind? And then the pandemic was here. And, I, and between all this too, like I hadn't signed the lease. 
because I was like a little gun shy. Obviously, that's just you know, going to happen. But I was like, let me use this pandemic to my advantage. This is how I sold it to everybody. I'm like, this pandemic, I can go into my 401k if I need to. I can utilize the CARES Act, be able to just, you know, not take the early withdrawal penalty of 10%. I'm like, this is all worthwhile. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then when they started slowly but surely seeing the build out and seeing how it just transformed, I mean, the gas was all, oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And wow, you know, knowing that I'm going to get back some of that money from the property management company because that's what they have to do in order to, you know, lure people into building those gray shells is to give them TI money, you know, tenant improvement money, which I'm still waiting for. So <laughs> to get paid back, but that's a whole other story. And it's not their fault. It's just, a matter, it's a matter of, I have to pay my first month's rent. And they've been so kind to me to delay everything in order to help me out because they would rather me make some money first and open up my doors rather than be in the red. So they also have to make money too. So I've been right. pretty fortunate along the way and it's been great. So my parents, my my husband, everybody cares a lot about me. It's just sometimes the way people go about things, even myself included, has been a little bit difficult. So it's, there's been a lot of tears, a lot of frustration and not a, a lot of... Uh, Advil use in the process. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I just love, love the story. Love the story. Okay, so were you? How confident were you, or were you even nervous? Like, all right, there's definitely. A level I was. Oh God. Of, there's definitely, I'm sure, a level of nervousness in yourself. But like, were you like totally confident that this is going to work, or you were like, well, I'll do this for a while, and if it doesn't work, I can go back to corporate. Great question. So I did a lot of research with the demographics and, you know, I talked it over with my father-in-law because again, he gets it. He's a, he retired from Toyota real high up in the corporate ladder, you know, just understands a lot of statistical information. So I, I did a lot of like geo-targeting and figuring out what's what. It just clicked and it made sense. Now, mind you, during this whole process, I've been approached by other recruiters, other friends of, you know, that work for other companies like, wow, I'd love you to be my boss or I, you know, this opportunity presents itself, would you like to consider it? And not at one point have I thrown my hat in the ring to say, yeah, let me go ahead and do so. So my mom calls me pretty stubborn. Now coming from a Calabrese Italian, that's funny because <laughs> I mean, she's off the boat. I'm first generation American. So uh, she's like, you're so stubborn. You're, you're so you know, thick headed when it comes to something. But I'm like, but mom, I said, for me to have this level of passion and commitment to not want to go back, it's almost like this. I can we all age, we're all someday, we're all going to, you know, pass this, this wonderful world that we live in, but I'd rather do it with, with grace and with dignity than go back to corporate and, and, and have that cushion, you know, that cushion, while it's wonderful with the benefits and, you know, I'd be able to possibly have another child if I had went back, you know, um, because I would be able to have that, that time off. Now I'm in a different situation financially and mentally and everything and age wise, but I don't want that cushion. I want my cushion. I want to be able to call the shots and knowing what I know and having done what I've done. It's not like I'm an amateur. I've done this before. So I, I know I can make it work. So yeah, of course I'm nervous. The money is just bleeding and it makes my husband and I very nervous. And luckily enough, we've, we've had some, some help mentally and financially, but at the end of the day, it is scary. I'm not going to lie to you. So yeah. we're just going to go onward and upward. Yeah. No, you, you definitely, like, you've got that personality, that determined personality, like, I'm just going to make it work. And I love that you're being true to yourself and you didn't choose safety, Amen. safety over your dream. Like, I believe dreams are put in our heart for a reason. And if you don't act on them because you're just safe and secure, 
that's then you're going to live a life full of regrets, in my opinion. Correct. Yeah. And I was just tired of living regrets, you know, and it, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, if you said you're going to tap into your 401k, I think I touched on it, but I didn't finish my statement was, I would have said, you're funny. That's hysterical. I mean, I was that person who was stashing so much of their paycheck into retirement just because of what my parents taught me, which I'm so fortunate of. Right. And now my mom is like, oh, look at what you did. I'm like, but mom, I own Amazon and Apple. <laughs> so, you know, they've done very well over the years. Right now, tech is not doing that great, but that was a long ongoing joke. I'm like, but mom, look at how well, you know, my, my, uh, my retirement has performed. Now right. she's like, well, it's not because it's tech, but... <laughs> Oh my God. I'm so, like, it'll go back up, mom. <laughs> that's funny. So now you did this right in the middle of the pandemic. Like when did you leave? So I, when did I leave? It was, gosh, I'm trying to remember my exact date. You know, it was like not even a full year ago. Okay. So things, the world was it shut was down. Like, yeah. The world was shut the world down. Was shut down. Okay. I and, was shut down. Everyone, like everybody. Yeah. I mean, I, I that's, freaked me out too, because knowing how much I traveled, I was concerned for my job as well. So tensions were rising. They were freaking out. They couldn't get into the U.S. I couldn't really travel. You know, conventions were being canceled. You know, they had had um, all this, uh, uh, what are they called in the financial world? Um, uh, they, they were doing all these like, you know, capital, venture capitalist raises to get more money to help the company out, you know, previously. And I got concerned. And one of the sales representatives that worked for me, his father was the, the biggest investor within the company and he was lovely to work with. And I was like, hey, I'm getting a little concerned with all this. He says, I'm not going to lie to you. I am as well. So obviously tensions were high. So I decided that it was just best for me to just peace out. And I just tried to leave as softly and quickly as possible. And uh, I, I was very, very afraid to even say anything to my husband initially. I was like, oh, by the way, so um, about that job. <laughs> it was like what so I waited you know like most people would to make sure that you know obviously I was getting paid for my my bonus because I'd worked really hard so I wrote that out because it was in mind to be had and then I was just like you know I think you guys are wonderful but it's time for me to just pursue other things yeah that's, that's so awesome like the world is shutting down businesses on the verge of collapse retail stores are closing and you decide to open a retail store in the middle of all this I love it right I love it right yeah, like, but so you know what successful. the cool thing about it is? Thank you. But like I said, the cool thing about it is, and this is how I was able to sell, you know, my mom and my husband, you know, who's obviously a finance guy and even my father-in-law and people around me love me. I'm like, okay, go on threadup.com and look at their, the, the CEO has this wonderful report with all the different analysis about, you know, what's going on, where the market is. So he did a lot of the hard work for me. So I appreciate that. So thank you, up Yeah. Well, look, you're smart. You're doing research. You're not just blindly jumping into something. You're following your dreams, but you're not doing it blindly. Right. And that's what, you know, like we were talking about before, like with you and I and how we click is that we do the research. It's like, we're not just going to take something at face value, like do this or do that. Well, let me see why. Let me check both sides. Like we want to be fair balanced, but we want to mm -hmm. do our due diligence. And I think that's what makes us more of the entrepreneurial type is because we, we want to pursue that path, but we want to do it with having the right information, the best information. And when it's, you know better, you do better. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, you, wow. you have to accept like, what's the worst that can happen? Always, you know, plan for that basically just have a plan for any scenario. Exactly. So tell so. us about your new shop. Like what's the name? Oh my gosh. When do you think you're going to open? Uh, 
So the name of the shop, and this is something that I was against naming it was after myself because I'm like, I don't want to be that person that people think I'm, you know, conceited or obnoxious because it's named after me. I had like Stella, like something Italian, you know, as a name, I was working on different branding, you know, uh, labeling and whatnot, or branding with uh, like fiber.com. And my mom's like, nope, nope, you can't name it something Italian. Nope, nope, that's too cheesy. You got to name it after yourself. And I'm like, are you just trying to murder me here? She <laughs> says, well, no, your name is in French means beautiful. It means pretty. That's why I named you that. You got to name it after yourself. I said, great. So then when I'm like walking around and if someone doesn't really care for me or whatever, or care for my shop who was giving me a bad Yelp review and sees me like, oh, you're that person. And she goes, and is that really going to bother you? I said, no, but yeah, I mean, obviously consignment shops as a rule have a bad name or bad rap. I mean, you look at all of the Yelp reviews, one of the things that I've done, like I was like, oh my gosh, most of them have just mediocre reviews because you've got people that disagree with them. But the name came about was, the way the name came about is like, everybody's like, you got to name it after yourself because of what your name means. So at the end of the day, there's going to be good reviews and there's going to be bad reviews and that's that. So it's a 1,454 square foot brick and mortar. It's uh, located on 41, um, you know, right, right behind, you know, Dunes West, very close to where we live. It's Mount Pleasant. Mount Shopping Center. Yeah. Mount Pleasant. For those who don't, you know, aren't local, uh, that's Mount Pleasant in Charleston, South Carolina. Yes. In Charleston, South Carolina. So it's convenient for the people that are downtown. They can access that through uh, Cummins Ferry. It's also very convenient for the people that live in North Mount Pleasant. And that's the other thing too. I found that there was a need for the people in North Mount Pleasant to have a consignment shop because there's two that are in, you know, more of the central uh, Mount Pleasant area and, you know, both lovely shops, but they were catering to, you know, like high end, but like mid-level, but, you know, not, not where I was focusing my attention, focusing my attention, like more like the Chanel, Gucci, Hermes, Louis Vuitton, and obviously taking other brands as well. But Francine, what I was trying to create was, you know, the branding and the illusion of like when you walked into a, New York or New Jersey boutique of like the, the beautiful and it is a clean minimalist palette, not, you know, walking into like a Marshall's consignment shop where there's just stuff all over the place and you had to like fish through it, like being more conservative about what I take in, which mm-hmm. again, well, I'm sure will upset some people like, no, I, I, I understand you paid a lot for it back in the day, but this is, it, there's a certain look and, and branding that I'm trying to go for in the shop. So that's what I was trying to create was the illusion and the actual atmosphere. Um, it's not really an illusion. It's going to be a fact, but you know, right. you know what I mean? Like just right. a beautiful space where women can out. come and try them. Yeah. Your, your shop yeah, is going it's to gonna be different, unique. among all the consignment shops. Your shop will stand out. Right. Unique. Totally unique and niched. It's niched down. I love that when people. It's niched. Thank you. It's niched. Yeah. yeah so it's not the, I use the wrong word, the wrong illusion, but it's niche. So, right. and the people that have, seen it have come in and see me build it out and see me starting to feel like wow this is so beautiful and I mean women like beautiful they want to come in and and hear the music and be able to sit down and you know either have a glass of bubbly or some water because there's there won't be any red wine in there because I'm afraid if someone spills something (laughs) on someone else's you know garment (laughs) you know what I mean so they want to be able to come in and just enjoy shopping because women I mean you lived in this area before you know that the women around here, they crave like good yes. shopping oh, yes. and there's nothing like it. So yeah. that's, I was trying to fill the demand of yeah. what people were looking for. And I've seen the pictures yeah. and I'm totally jealous that I'm not in the area anymore because it, oh, it's, well, I'm going to miss I'm, you. 
I'm look, I'm going to be here a lot. It's not that far of a drive. And I love Charleston. I've got tons of friends here. So you best believe when I come yes, out, I'm coming in. Um, the shop is gorgeous. I've seen some shop, some Thank pictures you. on her Instagram account. You have to check it out. The shoes, the Louboutin shoes, the red bottom shoes. And Correct. it was like some kind mm-hmm. of sequin. And I was like, oh my gosh. First of all, I can't even walk in shoes like that anymore. But I was like, I no, want- anymore i was like i want them i can't walk in that but i would look really good sitting down <laughs> yes exactly so that's the thing you know i mean some people can't walk in them like myself anymore i prefer like a wedge or a nice you know ballerina <laughs> slipper and we went out you know I, I i don't go out anymore on saturday night i went out you know to celebrate with a bunch of friends and uh i was wearing some uh, wedge boots and yesterday i postponed going to spin or anything because I couldn't walk from you know just enjoying myself and dancing and acting a fool so (laughs) I can't walk anymore in those kind of shoes myself but you know other people do and there's definitely a market for it and I'm hoping to service the community for sure um and with the influx of if you know anything about this area we are growing I say we like I'm still there growing by leaps and bounds people are just moving here like crazy we've had high an influx of new residents for years now for like, like the last six years and even more so with 2020, the pandemic, people just escaping other States and coming here. So, and they're all going to Mount Pleasant because it's like the place to be and you are going to do so well. So when does the shop open? Thank you. When is April it, 13th. So I wanted to open it. Yes. April 13th, Tuesdays. Okay. It's, it's a soft opening. Okay. So I'm closed on Mondays. I'll be open Tuesday through Friday from 10 to five. Um, and then on Saturday and Sunday, I'll be the only consignment shop that's open on a Sunday uh, from 12 to 4. So, you know, while I'll be taking time away from my family, I'll be building it. And as time progresses, I'm looking to expand those hours past 5 to capture the women that aren't working from home, that are commuting. Right. But just for now, I have to keep it within the hours of, you know, what works best for our family and daycare and everything oh. else like that. Yeah, So, um, So, yeah. And mm-hmm. so ironic, we're recording this obviously, in, you know, earlier, the show is going to air on April 12th. So you open tomorrow. Ah, there you go. <laughs> for those listening. How's then, yeah, open the next day. Yeah. How's that for yeah. perfect timing? All right. So what would you say to the woman who is afraid to do such a dramatic change or such, like, this is a pivot. This is like a 180 pivot. Pivot. It's not like a friend's term. People talk about pivot. I'm like, I wasn't really a Fran fan. Pivot. Yeah. yeah, they were carrying the couch down the stairs. <laughs> yes, I was a Friends fan, okay. the show. Okay. Because, <laughs> look, I know people who have really good jobs, and they would love to move to a different part of the country because right now they're in New York or New Jersey, and they're like, no, I don't want to leave my job because they're either afraid of starting over or because it's just, it's secure. It's secure, and I get it. It's, look, it's not for everybody, and there's no judgment. Everybody's got to feel comfortable doing what they feel comfortable doing but what would you say to the woman who's afraid to do such a pivot (laughs) i mean i would tell them that you need to be true to yourself you need to listen to your heart obviously everyone's circumstances are different if my husband didn't have bomb health insurance would i be doing this probably not you know if he wasn't moving back up the corporate ladder would i be doing this probably not so it does help that i have that to fall back on You know, I've got a a single girlfriend who is the mom of two little beautiful girls and would just love to get out of corporate. So everybody's situation is different. So what I tell her, oh, yeah, just throw it all away and just go ahead and pursue. No, because her circumstances are different. 
But at the end of the day, people have done it in her circumstances, my circumstances. And you just have to like, listen to your gut, follow your passion and know your why. And my why was my family and knowing that I couldn't travel anymore. I, I had a child that needed me. You know, I have an excellent husband who is wonderful, a wonderful, wonderful father. But like, I wanted to be a part of that. And having lost so much of that time, you know, with postpartum, I, I, I just had to be true to myself. So I would tell that woman, just listen to your heart, listen to your intuition. If there's something that you crave and you've got a passion, then follow it, listen to it, pursue it and follow through because so many people get this idea. And that's one thing that was cracking up the property manager. Like, Oh yeah, there's so many women that get an idea like, Oh, I'm going to open up a consignment shop or I'm going to do this or do that, you know, that are in different financial situations, but then they never follow through. You know, I had no choice. So just make sure that you do your research and just go for it, go for it nails to the wall, scratching, kicking and screaming, and just fight for it because you know what? You're worth it and your family is worth it. And at the end of the day, it's going to be tough, but it'll be so, so worth it. Yeah. It's rewarding. Look, there's no, you got to take a risk with all things that are worth it. There's always a risk. So amen. So I don't know if you're going to be risk with as a reward. Exactly. So I don't know if you're ever going to plan on doing things online. Um, so, yes. but where, okay. So where can people find you? Like, I know, you know, we'll have the shop address in the notes so locals could find you, but I have people all over the world who listen. So if you're going to do things online, like oh, where, yes. can they, where can they find you? So the great thing is too, is that, uh, I will be not only at my brick and mortar having showca- showcasing the garments that people can sign, but I'll also be powered through Shopify. So when there's garments that come in, I will be putting them on my website, which is jolyluxuryconsignment.com. And you can purchase them through Shopify. It's obviously very safe, very secure. Everybody who's anybody knows Shopify, at least in the US. I'm not too sure about the brand awareness in in Europe, but it is secure. It's kind of like PayPal. Mm -hmm. Um, Everything is completely encrypted. And uh, I'll be doing stuff through Facebook Marketplace and uh, Instagram. So there's a variety of different platforms that I'll be showcasing the items through. And that's also what kind of makes me a little bit different than some of the other consignment shops, even yes. though one of the other ones in town during the pandemic, she really stepped up her game and she's done a lovely job on Insta and she's powered by Shopify too. But, you know, it, it's just a different way that I'm going to be, you know, doing business you know, versus other people. So. Okay. And I'm going to put all those yeah. things in the show notes for you. So you guys need to go follow Jolie, check her out. Like I said, her stuff is amazing. I've, I've got like a little sneak peek from following her for a while. So Julie, thank you so much thank for coming you. on. Thank you for taking time out because you're like, you're busy. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate you carving So are you. Part. And I appreciate you. <laughs> yes. And I appreciate you reaching out to me and wanting to do this. I'm so flattered and so honored by it. Thank you so much. It's been humbling. Oh, you're welcome. I hope you enjoyed that episode with my friend Jolie as much as I did. I know if anybody can make this work, she certainly can. But before I go, I just wanted to remind you to go check out the Life on Tap Blueprint course. I only have a few more bonus spots left to work with me to personalize your blueprint. And when they're gone, they're gone. My time is limited. My life is crazy. I put my family first. You get it, right? So hurry on over there and I will see you on the inside. Thanks so much for listening. But before you go, if you found value in today's show, I would love it if you would take a screenshot of this episode and share it with others on social media. 
and be sure to hit that subscribe button and head on over to iTunes or wherever you listen to rate and leave a review. It is how we can empower, educate, and shift how others visualize their lives. Until next time, my friend, remember to live a life untapped. You are worth it. Thank you.